Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Welcome to the Oil Spills Podcast. I've got Jim Matheson and Derek Van Dees with me. I'm Craig Ellingson, the host. What should we call this edition? The Economic David Returns to Action Edition, since uh, we're recording this on Wednesday morning. Last night, Conor McDavid uh, skated in game action for the first time since he was injured at the end of last season, the very last game. And here he is. He appeared in the Oilers' fifth preseason game. I'm losing track. For all intents and purposes, Conor McDavid more or less looked like the Conor McDavid you'd expect, who's playing in his first game in months, first game action. How did he look to you? Well, he looked rusty to me. He looked a little, he bobbled the puck a little bit. I think he himself admitted that he was a bit rusty and, you know, but with, he hasn't played a game in six months, so his timing's going to be off a little bit. I think his skating was fine. Um, he still he still was the best skater on the ice by far. I was surprised how much he played. He played over 20 minutes, so I was he was played more than any other roller forward, so it's not like they're easing him back. He, he went out there and, and played a lot of hockey, but yeah, he just the crispness wasn't there when he was handling the puck and passing the puck, and I think he coughed one up, uh, and it went for a breakaway the other way. But he himself admitted that he was a little rusty, but that's expected. He hasn't played in a while, and he hasn't got up to game speed. So, but I think the important thing is he was back on the ice. He's back on the ice playing a game where, when the injury initially happened, no one really knew what the timeline was, and even. Even during the summer, no one really knew what the timeline was. But now it looks like he's he's going to be ready to go for that first regular season game. So I wouldn't be surprised if he played another preseason game, um, whether it's in Winnipeg or in Calgary. Um, but I think just to get the timing back and just to get back his, his basically game legs back. Uh, better he makes the mistakes now rather than the first league game if he's going to be rusty. So he got the one game in and yeah, you're right. His, his legs look fine, his hands... Um, uh, and thinking about making plays wasn't there because he hasn't played for so long. And, uh, normally would have a couple of games in by now. I think they should play him in Winnipeg. I don't think they should play him in Calgary at all. Uh, the last league game where he got hurt before, I don't think it makes any sense to me. I'm not coaching, but why play him in the building where he got hurt? I mean, his last game. Mm. Why? They know he's going to be the first line center, whether he plays in the Calgary that last exhibition game or not. And as long as he gets one more game in again, you know, in Winnipeg. And the game in Winnipeg, if he goes to Winnipeg, it will probably be against a, a reasonably strong Winnipeg lineup. 
as strong as the lineup can be without Bufflin, Connor, and Line, I guess, who aren't there, but it would be a fairly good lineup as well. Is that actually a thing where, you know, the injury happened to McDavid in Calgary? And would they purposely say, eh, maybe we shouldn't play in Calgary because of the psychological factor? Would that actually be a discussion? Yes. I think it might be, yeah. I, be. Why not? You have to play there sometime. Well, they don't have to play there for a while. They can, by then he will have had several games, um, you know, under his belt. I don't think they play Calgary in a league game until after around Christmas time. Yeah, I'll have to go back. But I think December. I don't there. think they play Calgary till till December. So that's a lot. That's a long time to. I know McDavid wait. does want to play another game. He, he, you know, if I was up to him, he'd play them both. But I think they're going to play him one, and it would make to me it would make sense to play him in Winnipeg. Um, he he wants to get back out there, and he he wants to get his timing going. He wants to get in it. I think the Oilers need him to get his timing back, and and need him to get back into. I wouldn't want to say game shape. I think he's in pretty good shape already. Everyone kind of works their way up to to game shape in mid-season form, but I think he wants to have that timing because he wasn't as comfortable with the puck on his stick um, as you usually see him, and I think that was the the big thing last night. You know, and these are obviously, we're, we're in preseason, these are practice games. I mean, the Coyotes game last night on Tuesday, uh, you know, Dave Tippett admitted after the game that his top two lines, they didn't play that well. Bottom, two, bottom six, however, he praised them. But I think... The factor of the guys in the bottom six, they're all f- fighting for jobs down there, whereas I think the top six is pretty much set, except for maybe the winger spots alongside McDavid and James Neal on the second line. Is that accurate? I think so. I think you're absolutely right. And uh, those guys in the bottom six, you know, the Archibalds and, and, and guys like that, um, Shea-Anns, they are fighting for jobs, and they're trying to stay, and they're trying to impress. And I thought they did what they were supposed to do last night. I think in... in Dave Tippett just wants his team to all work the other team. And the bottom six line, the bottom six forwards on Tuesday did that. They outworked their opponents and the top six forwards kind of going through the motions and I think still trying to kind of find their way. And I think that's really what upset Dave Tippett more than anything else is that the guys in the top six didn't come to work while the guys in the bottom six did. But you're right, the guys in the bottom six have something to work for. They have, they're trying to impress. Uh, the top six guys are going to be there regardless, with the exception of maybe one or two guys. The, the top six, the bottom six guys work so hard because there's three or four other guys on the bubble trying to get those bottom six jobs who did not play. Exactly. You know, and that's Granlund and, and Yurko and Bertasov and Haas. You know, they're trying to get into the lineup and I'm sure they'll play in Winnipeg. A, a number of them would play in Winnipeg. Um, the question for Dave Tippett is not how hard the bottom six played. It's whether they'll ever, whether they could score a goal. Yeah. That was the problem last year. I mean, they worked hard enough, but they never scored a goal. So they got, kept getting outscored by, by other teams, bottom six in terms of scoring a goal. So it's nice to keep the puck in the other team's end, but you got to score the odd goal too. And, you know, not to be a negative Charlie, but th- that is what Dave's looking for as well. And the bo- and the top six, you're right. I think he's got the first line, and they're still looking for a left winger for Neil and, and Nugent Hopkins, and whether that's Sam Gagne or Nygaard, the the you know, Swedish winger who took a skate cut uh, in a game here a few days ago. Um, they need somebody there if, if they're going to count on a guy playing 17, 18, 19 minutes a game. Now, 
obviously the Oilers brought in a few new faces, you know, free agency wise, veteran NHLers, Europeans. I, I wonder about a player like Jujar Kaira, um, you know, where he fits in, how he fits in. He's going to make the team, but you know, it, it just seems to me that there's always a chance that somebody might end up on the cutting room floor here because of what's, you know, considering who was brought in like Marcus Granlund, um, you know, the Riley Sheehan's, those guys, they're likely going to make the, they're going to make the pro roster, of course, but I just can't help but think that someone is going to be out of a job. Well, someone is, but I think a guy like Kyra's got a little bit of a uh, longer rope because he's been around the team and, and he's, a, he's a bit of a veteran. He, I actually talked to Juju Akara uh, a couple of days ago and he was pretty excited about this season. He think he worked hard in the off season and I think he knows his role now. I think maybe last couple of years he wasn't too sure of his role and, and Dave Tippett said that as well about a guy like Juju Akara is that you give a guy like that a role. You say, okay, you're our third line winger and, and you're going to kill some penalties and that, that's your responsibility to help out the team and we need you to chip in with 10 goals. Um, I think he kind of embraces that. And I think, uh, but because he's he's been around, because he's a bit of a veteran, because he's kind of known, I think he gets a little bit more more leeway um, and gets a bit more runway than maybe a guy that like Gaetan Haas that they brought in or someone else that they brought in. Uh, to try and, and beat him out of a job. And I think that's the, the case. You kind of have to beat the incumbent to get that job. Um, if, if you guys are the same, then I think the incumbent keeps the job. And I think that's the situation with that. But you're right. There's going to be some guys that are disappointed because they can't all stay. They can't all, they can only keep 23 guys. And they, they, I'm not sure how many, I think they have 18, 19 forwards still around. So still have 19 forwards, 19 including forwards. they're only going to carry 14. Yeah. So there's still so lots there's, of cuts to be made. There's lots of cuts. And I, 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 to me, one of the more disappointing players in the training camp so far has been Granlund. He hasn't really jumped out at me as a guy who's played a number of years in the NHL. He By now, he should have easily got a bottom six role. They they signed him to a one-year contract for over a million dollars, 1.3, I think. So um, he hasn't jumped out to the point where he's got, got a guaranteed spot. And some of these players are going to be on waivers, you know, just before the season. Um, some have Gaetan Hawes as a Swiss player who's made it very clear he's not going to spend the whole year in Bakersfield to go back to Switzerland rather than spend a year in the minors if he doesn't make the orders. So they could probably send him down if he doesn't look like he's ready for a couple of weeks, maybe till the end of October. And uh, if it doesn't look like he's going to be an order, I'm sure he'll be talking to the order and say, I can go back to Switzerland for a heck of a lot more than $70,000 U.S. to play in the minors. So... Um, there's, I mean, I, I think with the Oilers, they get so many question marks going into the season. They don't have a third line. They have sort of just a mixed bag of bottom six forwards. And whatever line, I guess, is going better that night will play more than the other line. And I, you know, I, is is a line with Kara, who got three goals last year, Riley Sheehan, who was a fourth line player, uh, last year and has been for a couple of years, even though he's had a couple of 35-point seasons. And, you know, Archibald or whatever, is that really a third line? Really not. I mean, is Chase on who got 22 goals last year, a fourth-line player? Or are they just, is it a mixed bag and they throw six forwards out there and say, okay, whatever line's going good and maybe scores a goal, um, you're going to play more. So, and, you know, 
they're still heavily weighted on McDavid and Dreisaitl and Nugent Hopkins as for, for right now. And a question mark is to James Neal, how many goals will James Neal score? I'm sure they're hoping for 20, you know, and, and if, if he scores 20, great. But if he doesn't score 20, then that, you know, that trade doesn't look quite so good. And to be fair to Juju or Kara, I mean, is it Kara or Kyra? I hear both. Uh, yeah, it's it's a good question. I call him Kara. Yeah, I call him Kara as well. So I've but I've my son Kara calls well. him Kara too. So I'm I'm the, I'm in the minority. So yeah. I'll call him Kara from now on, not Kara. You know, I I brought him up, but to be fair to him, he was named the second star of the game last night. So he had an assist. Whatever preseason means. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs> it's what preseason means, and it just I, I I agree with Jim in the fact that they they really don't have. Uh, I think the the, the bit. The thing that's most disappointing for Dave Tippett and, and probably Ken Holland is that they brought all these guys in to have a look at them and to, to say, hey, there's jobs to be won here. You guys want to be NHL players? There's jobs here in Edmonton to be won. And no one's really gone, gone out and grabbed it. I thought Archibald looked really good last night. I really did. I thought, okay, this is a guy that, smaller guy, but he can skate. He looks like he, he knows you know, how to, where he's supposed to be. Sheehan obviously scored the goal off his head, but... Um, you know, I, I, I do think that the guys that they've brought in are legitimate third and fourth line guys. They just have to find their way and they have to find their spots. As opposed to last year, you had some guys that had no business being in the NHL, I th- in my opinion. They were AHL players trying to trying to get any, getting NHL minutes and it didn't work out and they weren't, they weren't scoring and they weren't really helping in any way. And I think this year they have guys that can contribute in some way or another, whether it's offensively, defensively, checking, providing some energy, uh, minutes like that. Because I think this year they do have enough guys that are NHLers playing on their bottom six, where last year I thought there was guys that had no business being in the league that were playing on the I bottom think six. the Oilers, it behooves the Oilers to have as many players with some sort of pedigree offensively to make the team. Mm-hmm. Whether that's Yurko who has some sort of ability to score, whether that's the Russian Berdyshev, who can maybe score, uh, there's not enough goals to go around. If the top end guys don't do it, they're still, they've, they've played five exhibition games here. And I think in three of them, they scored two goals. Yeah. You know, they scored six one night. Um, but there's still that two goals, two goals, two goals. That's tough to win in the NHL. They need more goals. And I think that's why Yurko has a very good chance in the bottom six. He has some offensive ability, and I think they need some bottom six players with some sort of offensive ability. They just can't go out there to check. And it's nice to check and keep the puck in the other team's end, but uh, they need some, I think they need a little bit more offense. And it's not, you know, it's just one of the many holes that the Oilers got. I mean, it's, I think this team is very much going to be a work in progress till they've absolutely decide, okay, here's, Here's who we like. Here's our 12 guys, forwards, and away we go. Because usually the 13th and 14th forwards early in the season might get a, a game, but after a while, they're the 13th and 14th forwards for a reason. Another thing the orders need, and uh, you know, we've been watching it all at training camp, is uh, some offensive production from the blue line as well. You know, Joel Parrison, new to the orders this season, playing on the top pairing with Oscar Clefbaum through the preseason. He's in, he's going down with an injury, apparently a shoulder injury in the game last night against Arizona. 
now we've we have a few players who are in the mix to make this you know the seven spots on the Oilers defense. Um, how much of a handcuff would it be if person was to miss some action? Who knows how much? Well, what's interesting is that person got hurt, didn't play the last two periods of the game, and then right after the game they sent Evan Bouchard down. So I just wonder if they looked at that and maybe not as serious as because I think if it was serious, if it was it was an injury where this guy's going to be out for significant length of time, I think they would have kept Bouchard and give him maybe another look. But maybe they've made the decision and said, you know, he's he's better off serving in the American Hockey League, get him down there with that group, get him working with that group right away. Um, Pearson, he's been okay to me. I I don't think he's been. To play him in a top four position spot, I think, uh, would have been a stretch in my opinion because I haven't seen – he moves the puck okay, makes good decisions, but I don't think he's a particularly great skater, and I don't think defensively he was particularly great either against lineups that weren't that very that strong. So I think there is a spot there to be won, um, whether Ethan Bear can win it. I don't know if Ethan Bear, like Jim said before, I don't think he's – He's capable of playing a top four spot yet. I think he's, he's your number five or six. That means you're going to have to move people up um, and provide. He can provide some offense. I think Chris Russell is jumping into the rush. I think Chris Russell wants to provide a bit more offense this season than he did last season. Um, obviously, you have Clefbaum. He can provide offense. You're not going to get any offense out of Larson. Um, so, yeah, they need more offense from their back end. That's that's definite because they didn't get barely any last year. So. But, you know, last year, you know, Matt Benning and Chris Russell jumping into the top four, that was because of injury, and that didn't always pan out. In fact, I would say it didn't pan out last year. I don't know, are we expecting Matt Benning to to take another step and be a bonafide top four defenseman this year? Already, he's a right shot as well. I don't think, I think players should be slotted into exactly where they should be. And you can do it for one or two games or in-game if a player gets hurt you know, have the ability to maybe move up. Um, I, I think they see Benning, you know, the coaching staff sees Matt Benning, who, you know, is a right shot guy. And I think they should have him on the power play myself. He gets the shots through from the point and he can really shoot uh, on the second power play unit, if anything. Uh, and Russell as a third pairing. Now that's a little expensive for a third pairing when you add up one contract is four and the other one is almost two. That's $6 million playing in a third pairing when a lot of teams are playing million-dollar third-line, third-pairing defensemen. Uh, but so be it. I don't, I just, in a perfect world, they see Bouchard as being a really stud offensive defenseman. And they're, in a couple of years, Broberg is going to be a really, really good player, I think, they see as a, you know, guy gets the puck up the ice too. For now... If you're a fan, you're looking at the defense saying, how is this any better than last year? Yeah. Well, it's the same defense. It's the same. It's basically the same defense. Um, but that said, you know, if you change your style of game and, you know, and, you know, getting the puck out of your end and stuff, you can play with the same people. You just, your style of game changes in terms of passing the puck and such. And they seem to want to pass the puck more into the middle of the ice now. The defenseman, like a lot of good teams, uh, rather than along the boards, um, and when you watch the good teams play, that's how they play. They make a 10-foot pass to a forward that comes back into the play and another pass and you're out of your end. So if that works out, it doesn't really matter who's on the defense. It's, it's how you play the game. But right now, um, person, 
person looks pretty good to me. I mean, I think he could play. Clefbaum would be a nice security blanket for him, a fellow Swede uh, who can, you know, break into the league. And Oscar says he's got a lot more going for him at coming to the NHL than he did when he was an NHLer, but he was quite a bit younger than person. So uh, if it's only, I agree with uh, Derek. If it was a month or so this guy was going to be out, I don't see why they would send Evan Bouchard down quite yet. But maybe, they, you know, it's it's a mild separation or something and he's only, only going to be out for a couple of weeks and um, the season doesn't start till you know, you know, October 2nd anyway. So that's, that's another week away. So I guess that's the way to look at it. And um, they don't... I mean, they made it pretty clear that they don't want it Bouchard on the team if he's not going to be in the top six. They don't want him there as a seven. Now, the possibilities, if person's hurt and Bouchard's in the minors, they're down. There's only three possibilities I see. There's Manning still here, Laguson still here, Bear still here, and person's hurt. So those other three guys, if Bear moves into the top six, then it's either Manning or Laguson's the seventh defenseman. One guy who's never played an NHL game and one guy that wouldn't play in the minors last year in the playoffs. So, um, but hey, give Manning credit. He's here a lot longer than I thought he would be considering how he was last year when they they shoved him into a deep, dark hole and wouldn't even play him. So he's still here. You know, and, and with Bouchard, I mean, best case scenario, he goes down to the AHL, he lights it up. And they have to bring him back in a couple of months after after he's played, say, 20 games. Yeah, I think that's a, a great possibility. I also think the Oilers will take a look at the waiver wire just before the season starts to see if a team has to it's sending down a, a more veteran defenseman um, because they got too many defensemen. And then they'll see if there's somebody there. I think what, what training camp has shown so far is some of those younger guys, especially forwards, uh, maybe some of the friends are just not ready. They're, they're not ready, and I think that was an eye opener for for Dave Tippett and and Ken Holland. And even Tippett said, "You know what? No one stood out. No one has jumped up and and said, hey, 'Hey, I'm I'm ready to to take that jump to the next level.' So I think that they all sent them all back. Um, I think Bouchard would be suited for half season in the American Hockey League if he's ready. If he if he dominates at that level, then then you move him up to the next level. But I think. In in Ken Holland's history, that's what he wants to see. He wants to see young players go down to American Hockey League. It's a very good league. It's a great development league, and dominate at that level. And just because you dominate at the American Hockey League doesn't mean you're going to come up here and succeed. Like you look at Justin Schultz, what he did in the American Hockey League in the half year he spent there. He's the best player the American Hockey League has ever seen. Best defenseman anyway, and he came up here and, and he struggled. So. I think, but they if Bouchard goes down and he plays top minutes and he plays power play and, and he looks like he's head and shoulder above some of those players, he'll he'll force the Oilers to call him up. And I think that's what Ken Holland wants. He wants Bouchard to force the team to call him up, whether it be uh, midway through the season, whether it be early on in the season, whether it be next season. That's He wants his hand forced by, by Evan Bouchard. And I think he wants to bring up Bouchard to be a second-pairing defenseman. I don't think he wants to bring him up to be a third-pairing defenseman. I think he wants to bring him up... And said, "Okay, now you're ready to play in the second pairing right. with Clefbaum. If you know, unless Person is really lighting it up or Ethan Bear. So, yeah, I I agree with Derek. Of all these players they brought in, uh, I mean, I, I'm sure they were hoping Nygaard would be an instant success. 
Haas, the same thing, European players, but they've just been okay. And, and, you know, uh, Granlin's been just okay. I agree. Uh, Archibald looked very good last night and Shane has been Shane, I think. Um, but you're right. There's, I think the surprise of the camp has been Patrick Russell has played every game. I don't think they figured Patrick Russell had a chance to make the team. And if he makes the team, that's kind of a, a slap in the face at some of the guys you may have signed and brought in over the summer because this guy was right. You already had this guy and he makes the team and, you know, his contract makes him very workable at $700,000 if he's going to be in your fourth line. That's a very good contract. So, so that's, that's what you want. But, um, some of the other guys, they have to, I want to see Bertishov make the team. I want to see him play another really good game and then have, have the team says, Oh, now what do we do? here you know theoretically i guess they could sign him to a contract send him to bakersfield for for two weeks and say play five games and then and then bring him back um but you know i don't know if this team's got enough offense to be throwing away guys who look like they may have some offense you know one more thing is that you guys have to go to practice here um but certainly back to defense you know for darnell nurse this is a pivotal year he's going in this is his contract year his uh, bridge deal will be up and, you know, odds are he's going to cash in. But, you know, here's a player, he's been with the Oilers for, he's he's a veteran defenseman now, still relatively young. But what are we hoping to see from Darnell Nurse? Obviously, we want to see him, you know, take an, everybody, we want to see another step from everybody, but particularly this guy, if you're going to be giving him that contract. Yeah, Darnell Nurse is a guy that, that can come in and do it all. Like he has great skating abilities. He's a tough guy. He can, you know, he can play that role. He can, he can be a shutdown defenseman and he has a little bit of offensive instincts in him. So I think he's a guy that can be a very, very good overall defenseman for the Edmonton Oilers. And we've seen them kind of the maturation of Darnell Nurse coming in as a young kid. And now he's, he's kind of a more, of a, got that veteran presence. And I think that's the one thing that's changed on the sort of blue line. And I think you talk about, well, it's the same guys, but they're a year older. They're now they're, they're kind of veterans. They're going into year three, year four of their, of their deals. They, they know the ropes, they know what's going on and they're taking a, bit of a leadership uh, onus in that room. Uh, I know Darnell Nurse has, I know Oscar Kleffbaum has, and, and you can kind of see these kids growing up in front of your eyes when you're down there almost every day. You know, you see them from one year to the next. And, and I, I got that sense from Darnell Nurse. I got that sense from Jujar Kara that, yeah, these guys are, are men now. They're professionals and they know what it takes. And I think Darnell Nurse knows what's at stake for him, but he also he wants team success and he knows that this team needs to, to, to be successful this year and, and make the playoffs. And I think he, he's going to take a, a leading role in that. But this is a guy that has incredible ability, in my opinion. He's got a good head on his shoulders and he, he understands the game very well. So I think he, he's a guy that can be a very, very important commodity for the Edmonton Oilers going forward. And and if he has a great year, yeah, the Oilers are going to have to pay to keep him. And I think so. I think it's a big year for him and a big year for the hockey club. I think they see him as a 40-point Josh Morrissey-type defenseman, bigger than Josh Morrissey. Morrissey was an offensive junior, so was Darnell Nurse. Morrissey's morphed into more of a shutdown guy, played with Truba in Winnipeg last year. They just gave him over $6 million a year, I think. So that's what Darnell, I'm sure that's the comparable the owners will use um, going forward, that he's a $6 million player at least, or a little bit more than $6 million, and... Uh, 
you know, I think Darnell sees himself as is got enough offense. He's not just an off, uh, shutdown guy. He can play in the power play too. And I think he proved last year uh, that he could. And, you know, he's he's moved the puck better and he puts up 40 points. That's a pretty good uh, offense for a, a defenseman in today's game. Because, mm-hmm. you know, obviously there's an awful lot of defensive prospects in the system. You know, Darnell Nurse is obviously further along um, and he's a veteran. But, you know, you do have the Bouchards and you have the persons here, Lajeson, et cetera, et cetera, Bear. At some point in time, you're going to have to, there's going to be a, a trading chip. And wouldn't Darnell Nurse be that a pretty big chip, it, considering the needs they have in their top six? No, I wouldn't no? be trading Darnell Nurse because he plays a little different than some of the other defensemen. Mm-hmm. Well, you go back to that same thing. You trade a guy like Darnell Nurse, who you spent a lot of time developing and in your system, and then you you kind of leave a hole for now you fill one hole but you leave another one and I think we we saw that with the Oilers a lot in the last decade I guess is they'll they'll they trade a spot to try and fill fix a, a roster spot and then spend the next four or five years trying to fill that spot that they just vacated I think right Darnell Nurse would leave a pretty big hole on that blue line unless they they feel that Caleb Jones or Bear could fill that role, but that I don't think I think I still think those guys are two to three years away from, from being where Darnell Nurse is right now. You don't trade Darnell Nurse unless you can get a center back, and the owners got centers. You're not going to trade Darnell Nurse for a winger. I don't think he's too good. Um, but you're right. They had, you know, and you don't trade a Darnell Nurse unless you have somebody else who can definitely take his spot. And right now, they don't necessarily have a player who plays like him quite ready to play. So I don't see that, and I think that trading chip after this season is Ryan Nugent Hopkins, not uh, Darnell Nurse. Because, you know, obviously there is a salary cap and the others are always up against it. Yeah, Ryan Nugent Hopkins' contract's going to come up. But at the same time, I don't know. The things I think about at least, you know, I saw Darnell Nurse play last night and it's preseason, but eh, I don't know. Yeah, it's gonna be it's gonna be interesting, but I, I think the Oilers' defense will be a little better just based on experience alone. I think these guys are these younger guys are a year older, a year more experienced, and and they're more mature. Just talking to them, they just seem more mature, and, and you see that evolution of of player from coming into the league kind of wide eyed and, and and just going along with everything to to finally saying, okay, well, I'm gonna be a, I'm gonna take some ownership and some leadership in this room, and I think we're seeing that right now. That's the Oil Spills podcast for today. You can subscribe to Oil Spills via Apple's podcast app or iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you may access your podcasts. 